Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to our podcast, Two Yoke Girls, and with Lorraine and Jillian. And today we are super excited to hop on and talk about things that just light us up, um, which is a lot about kind of understanding our nervous system. And we get to talk a lot about this, I think, with breath work and with the gratitude adjustment and in class, but it really kind of dictates a lot of what we do. Um, For me personally, kind of understanding it has just changed the way I walk through the world and Mm. then also through the way that I teach yoga um, and through how I kind of parent my children. And so understanding the nervous system is really super valuable. And then once you understand it, having kind of the tools to um, work through what happens when Mm -hmm. you're in either state. So how should we start? Should we explain kind of the two different settings of the nervous system? Yeah. I think when you say either state, it makes me curious as to what you're talking about. Yeah. So um, in our automatic nervous system. So the, what used to be believed as just happening automatically kind of in the background and it is, but it used to be believed that you couldn't really do anything about it, that things were going on in your system that were going to happen no matter what we've, there's been more research saying, you know, that there's ways to almost hack quote unquote, hack your nervous system. Breath work is one of those big ones. And we just did, um, we'll put a podcast up soon on that. So these two different states are your sympathetic state and your parasympathetic. Sympathetic is that fight or flight, fight, flight, freeze, a lot of sometimes people say, which I think is pretty regular now. People can, you know, hear about this and know about it. And then there's your rest and digest, your relaxation state. And um, when you're in either one of these, your body is physically responding in ways um, that put you in either one of kind of these categories or what we kind of call steady state, Mm. right? You're like midline, baseline. I think of it as like your perfection place. Mm -hmm. Um, And you need both of these states in order order to survive, right? And so Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times in our yoga community, the sympathetic, the fight or flight kind of high sympathetic state gets a lot, gets a really bad rap, um, because we're looking, you know, to be more relaxed and more Zen, but the reality is that we need that up and go. We need the sympathetic state for exercise to be able to, you know, be productive, to be able to act quick. Um, and so what happens in your sympathetic state is that your eyes, your eye, your pupils dilate, right? So that you can see big danger coming typically is what you're looking for in your most animalistic way. Um, your, all your blood flows to the major organs so that if you do need to fight or flight, your muscle, big muscle, major, major muscle groups are ready for that. Um, your digestion slows so that your body starts preparing for kind of emergency mode that we might, um, you know, we might need these stores that we have. Oh, so interesting. I was just talking last night, yeah. to teacher trainees. Yeah. And one of them was talking about how 
when you crash diet, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. When you crash diet, you're sending signals to your body. So, um, that it's starving. Yes. When you completely change your diet or you deplete your natural food sources from your body, your body goes into a sympathetic state. So it starts releasing adrenaline and cortisol. Cortisol is your stress hormone and adrenaline, you know, is that get up and go kind of hormone. And instead of it'll store fat. Yes. It'll store fat. Your body Mm -hmm. will store fat. Yes, exactly. And so it's counterintuitive. Mm -hmm. And so, so, so much about kind of losing weight or, or dealing with that is more about balancing out your stress levels. They also say that cortisol, um, well, that's why they say cortisol stores fat, right? Because it's your stress hormone. So if you're constantly stressed, I don't want to babble here, but when you're in this heightened state, right, if you stay in it for very long periods of time, so our bodies were designed to get into it fast Mm -hmm. and then to use it. So if you think about like on a very primitive level, if there's danger, our bodies were designed to sense it. The people who lived, right, our ancestors, the reason why we're here are the people who sensed it quickly and were able to either fight their way out of it or fly their way out of it. And so it's super useful. But if you're in it for a long period of time, then that's when cortisol starts to build up in your system and and you don't have a way of kind of flushing through those things, then that's chronic stress and anxiety. And the other thing that's interesting in the way our society is now, the things that alert us, we might not need to run from. Like you're not sprinting away from an urgent email, right? It'll release all those same hormones and you'll need to respond, but your body doesn't flush through those hormones in the same way. The blood will rush to your big organs and your big muscles, and then you're just stuck at your desk. And the only thing moving might be your fingers and your eyes, right? And and probably the clenching of your jaw, which just keeps all those things kind of stuck in your body. And then we wonder why we're in these heightened states. Um, Yeah. Which I think is interesting. Yes. um, It's if you've ever been in a car accident or a major accident uh, and you've really felt a huge amount of adrenaline pump through your body it's it's almost debilitating tingling when you can't move your way out of it so Mm. like your legs hurt you almost stand up and your legs cave um because it's all sitting there right the accident Mm. happened you're sitting there the adrenaline's still there you haven't moved and it's almost overwhelming what the body wants to do is move its way Mm -hmm. out of that right and so um we talk about this in the gratitude adjustment a bit about uh can we move our way through kind of those major stressors mm. and and that's where exercise or walks or breath work that's upregulating mm-hmm. um can really help people move through stress and tension yeah it's like the body can actually metabolize it the muscles can metabolize yes. all the things that are releasing for them to move yeah. So like sometimes if you're super heightened stress and some, and you just sit down to meditate or something, mm. you're trying to, to, I'm just going to meditate. They tell me I should, um, it might not work, right. You might literally have the buildup of hormones that is making you want to move and, and need to move. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why yoga is this beautiful thing where mm. it's your body 
moves through an hour of class and then it makes Shavasana sometimes, not always, right? Mm -hmm. A little bit easier or prepares Mm -hmm. the body for some sort of stillness. You can't find that stillness unless you kind of move through what's going on in the, in the background. Yeah. And I Um, think the other, other interesting thing is you need to balance this stuff too. So if you only feel like, oh, I need to go on a run, I'm anxious and nervous and I need to go on a run. And then you're staying too long. Maybe you run or ride your bike for an hour and you only needed like 15 minutes to flush it through. Then you kick on that response again. And so now you're in that constant state of fight, flight, freeze, flee, all the things, Mm -hmm. but you can't come back down. So upregulated, upregulated. Oh, I need to keep being upregulated. And you never give yourself the space to come back down to rest and digest, which is also equally important and necessary. Yeah. So when you're in sympathetic, you, um, one of the kind of the happy things that happens to you, if you want to call it a happy thing, is it the endorphin rush. Mm. And so that's what a runner's high is, mm-hmm. is it's a bunch of endorphins being released. And in, what endorphins do is they give your body kind of more stores of energy, quick bursts of energy, because your body's reading, I'm stressed. I'm in a heightened state of stress. The only way I can keep going is with this endorphin help. And so Mm. when you're running for a long period of time, your body's picking that up. It's starting to realize, oh, we're still running from the bear, right? Mm -hmm. And it gives you the endorphins so that you can keep running. Um, But that's still upregulating. So while it feels fantastical, it's not balancing and coming back to that downregulated space. Now in your downregulated space, that's when things in your body start happening, like your airways constrict slightly or um, they're not expanded so that you can, you're you're not needing to breathe heavy. You're just Mm -hmm. breathing balanced. Your um, saliva starts to kick in so that you can properly digest food that you usually get hungry when you go into Mm -hmm. um, parasympathetic. You can start digesting foods in your belly better. Um, The release of glucose gets more balanced uh, for your blood sugar. So all of these super valuable things start happening in rest and digest and you have to have both, right? And it's not when an imbalance starts to happen is when you can't toggle between them appropriately. Mm-hmm. And I love, I bring this back to, I talk about this a lot in class, but about your heart rate variable, variability. Mm-hmm. It's a big kind of marker in human performance or athletic performance on, mm-hmm. on your, what is it? like your athleticism essentially. And it's not that you can like get your heart rate higher than anybody else's or get your heart rate lower. You can't, you know, you might be the fastest runner or the slowest rester. It's -hmm. not that it's that you can toggle between those two efficiently. So you can sprint like hell and get your heart rate way up, but how quickly can you get back to steady state and same, like you can, you can go from complete rest but how quickly can you get up off the couch and be productive again? And so your heart rate variable is this really cool way of 
pointing out to us that you need to have balance. That's the epitome of health, right? Not one or the other. It's just right in between. Yeah. And I think they also use that to think about immune system health, like how well you'll be able to recover or handle the things like a a cold. How quickly will your body be able to move through and get you back to being well? I think there's some markers with heart rate variability that might be able to predict or give you room to understand how healthy your immune system might be at that point in time. If you're really run down, a cold is going to hit you harder and it's going to be harder for your body to toggle between those two places of fight, flight, rest, digest. Am I right? Yeah, because when you're really run down, you're in that heightened state. You're typically in a heightened sympathetic state for too long of a period Mm. of time. So you have that stress cortisol just constantly through your body, creating burnout. And so if you're in that state, like we know, you can't, that's when people get sick, right? That's when you, you can't possibly recover as easily because you're not able to toggle up and down. You're just kind of up here and stuck up here in that heightened state. So it's really, I mean, your body does a lot of this Mm -hmm. on its own, but like you said, bringing it back to kind of that email thing, there is hundreds of opportunities Mm. a day, an hour for us to to have our um, response shoot up into the sympathetic. And so without kind of moving through, oh, Lorraine, talk about, we have to talk about the geese. This yes, whole we'll talk about I the geese. I know there's one other thing that really quick point. It's often you see yourself get sick when you give you, when the big project ends or you finish finals or the semester ends or whatever it is, the in-laws leave, you know, after that heightened state where you're stressed, 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 when you finally have a place to land and slow down, that's often when those hormones that are keeping you upregulated when you come back down, that's often when you see that you, you get sick there, yeah, right? The like crash. your college kids come home and they get sick when they're home because when they're at school, they're upregulated and social and doing all the things and have to do the things they get home, they crash. And then often that's when they see themselves get sick. Yeah. Yeah. But yes, oh, the geese. <clears throat> yes. It comes from uh, Eckhart Tolle told a story in one of his books about the geese. And so, Jill, I think you kind of love the way it works and you see it in nature. And this was the place where he pointed it out. He was sitting on a park bench watching. Right. Yeah. So I I think it's really valuable, even especially for children about how to deal with your emotions um, mm-hmm. and to deal with this, the physical stuff that's going on in your body. He's watching these two geese and they're in, you know, how geese do these arguments. The geese are kind of nasty yeah. <laughs> and they'll like come after you and your dogs and stuff. And so anyways, watching these two geese, they're in an argument um, and honking at each other and what they do. And then the argument ends and they both go into the water and their own kind of separate areas and before kind of the dust settles and they settle down, you've probably seen geese do this. Like they open up their wings and they flap them against the water. And it appeared, you know, and it seems to Eckhart Tolle that like they're letting out that excessive energy that fighting and arguing can build. Or like if you are fighting with somebody and you don't say exactly what you want to say all that stuff how much do you like ruminate on stuff afterwards and 
obsessively think about those things. Like, what if we just went and like, whatever, screamed into the pillow or punched the pillow or like moved our body, like exercised, it has a way of clearing it out. And I think we tell kids to like control themselves, Mm. but it might, there's a time and a place and a space for like releasing Mm. that anger. And I thought it's, it's a really great lesson as adults for us to think about, like, can you just move, literally move through it Mm. um, so that your brain doesn't have to, your brain's so smart now, um, but your body really holds the key to helping you kind of move through that stuff. Yeah. It reminds me of the exhale. Like we forget that we're good at letting go of things. We're good at feeling things and physiologically processing them. So we don't have to keep mentally processing them. There are two things that that brought up for me. One was a parenting expert. I heard her say, your job is not to change your child's emotion, but to help them understand how to deal with their own emotions. And so, you know, we each of us probably have certain kids that are a little more emotional or kind of more expressive than the others. And so it's not up to me to change that, but to help them know how to deal with that part of themselves. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Within our standards of like where you have to be in public or, you know, like, but there's ways to do it just to help them deal. How often too, do you like, catch yourself or hear somebody like go like, oh, you know, right. like sigh, right. Or mm. Sigh out of frustration or relief or whatever it is. Like that's your body huh, working through whatever you're feeling kind of in that moment. Yeah. And it's then there was a kids to do too. Yes. We did it with the gratitude adjustment uh, group. And I think they liked that feeling of being able to sigh and let go with breath. Um, there's another Buddhist story. Um, there were, there were two monks walking, you know, down a path and they encountered this woman who couldn't get across, you know, the bridge broke or there's something that happened. And she was sort of impatient, a little inconsiderate. One of the monks just picked her up and carried her across and put her down. And the two monks continued on their way. They're not saying anything, but the monk who didn't pick her up, felt like she should have said thank you. He was really annoyed that she wasn't kind or considerate or appreciative at all. And so finally, maybe 15 minutes into their walk, he's like, I can't believe that woman didn't say thank you. She was inconsiderate. She was rude. And the other monk who carried her said, oh my gosh, you've been carrying her this whole time. I put her down way back there. Ah, I love that. Right. And so it's that idea. I think about that a lot when I'm carrying an issue or a problem or something I did or didn't say. Um, And it's that reminder of kind of the ducks and being able to move. And maybe it was the guy who picked her up and put her down the physical strength and release Mm -hmm. of actually carrying her. Whereas the other one didn't do anything, but his brain was still carrying that stuff and that, you know, inconsiderateness where the other one was like, oh, I haven't thought about that the whole way. I've just been walking. Yeah. It's really the value of connecting your body to your brain on a very deep level. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, there's so much we're such a smart, um, species now, but almost too smart. We just go back, going back to the basics of like, how can we use our bodies to our advantage, be in our bodies more often, Mm. um, so that we're less kind of in our heads processing things. The other thing that the gratitude adjustment 
group really liked was the breath of joy. And there's a part of that where you don't think about it, but there's this motion on the out breath where it feels like you're putting something down Mm -hmm. or letting something go. So the inhales kind of sweep your arms up and forward into the side and the exhale, you really sweep and bend forward. And it makes me feel like I'm putting something down or letting something go. And it's really cathartic in that same way. Yes. Yep. There's a lot of advantages to just like getting up and moving. Mm. So come to yoga or bar. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we'll see you at LPY. Yeah. We'll be waiting for you. <laughs> yes, That's good. Exactly. Thanks for that, Jill. I think it was really um, interesting and it gives me even more stuff to play with. Yeah, you are. You you know this stuff already. <laughs> oh, it's so good. They might too, but it's a nice reminder. So it is. Yes. I'll take us out with a little okay. bit of be a bee. Thank you. With Mike Borgonzano, known on Spotify as Mikey Bikes. He's terrible at marketing, so that's maybe why we're using his music, so we can remind you that he's out there. Admittedly, he'll say that he's bad at marketing. So here's a track, Be a Bee, by Mikey Bikes.